Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. Um, One of our very first uh, meetings is it? a church, a proto-church, as a, a church uh, about to be birthed. Um, we were praying morning prayer together. Um, some of you were there, uh, and you remember this, and I, I want us all to kind of know this as part of our story. We came to a place in the prayer book where there's different uh, sections of scripture that you can read, and we read the third song of Isaiah, that's what it's called, and it starts like this, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples, but over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawning. Isn't that beautiful? And we in those next weeks and months, knew that that was a word from the Lord to us. Right here in this time and place, and as we felt the Lord giving us the name City of Light, we knew that this was part of what that meant. Um, It says, your light has come, the Lord has dawned upon you. The Lord has risen. The light of Jesus' resurrection has shined on us and scattered the darkness from before our paths. And so our modern translation of that is that we want to be a people finding a new day in Jesus. And we, we, have, seen, we have seen the beginnings of that in this last year, haven't we? Um, have we seen people coming to that light? Have, have we seen ourselves coming to that light and feeling the move of the Lord in our lives? Um, when the light of Jesus shines on us, We don't absorb it, he teaches us. We actually reflect it. And that brings us to our other key passages of church, which is Matthew 5, where Jesus says something startling. You are the light of the world. Over and over the Gospels say that Jesus is the light. John 1, he is the light and the life of the world. And Jesus himself says, I am the light. But here he says, you are the light. That when Jesus shines his light on us, we don't absorb it. We don't hide it like a lamp under a basket. No, it it reflects. It shines. And receiving the light of Jesus creates this missional momentum that moves us forward. And that's because that's who God is. God is a God on a mission. And because we serve a God with a mission, we are a church with a mission. Because the Holy Spirit is a missionary Holy Spirit, we, as the church filled with his spirit, are a missionary church. I came across this startling quote from a preacher from England from a while ago named Charles Spurgeon. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. To be a follower of Jesus means that we receive his light, but that it then reflects. To be a follower of Jesus means that we actually go and invite other people to be followers of Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. 
I want to look tonight at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow him. So would you journey with me, if you've got your Bible with you, otherwise I'll, I'll read these to you, um, through, uh, through Matthew, we're going to start in chapter 4. Verse 19, he's by the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew. They're fishing, and he says to them, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And right there in Jesus's, in the book of Matthew, first call for people to follow him, first call to be disciples, he says that they're going to follow him in fishing for men. So he calls them to be his disciples to follow him, and their role as disciples is going to be to invite others to follow him. Do you see that? Let's keep going. Matthew 9. So he teaches them, he gives them this, his, his Sermon on the Mount teaching, the core of his message that the kingdom of God is here. And the end of, of chapter 9, Jesus is moved with compassion for the harassed and helpless, the sheep without a shepherd, Verse 37, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then the very next verse, he calls 12 disciples and he sends them out into the harvest to follow Jesus and Jesus coming to shine his light, to follow Jesus who comes to make disciples. He sends his disciples out to make disciples. The end of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus has died. He has risen again. He's about to ascend into heaven. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Jesus calls disciples whose calling is to call disciples. And when they call disciples, they're to teach them what Jesus commanded them, which is, in part, to call disciples. We can move into Acts if we wanted to and see those first disciples on the day of Pentecost filled with the Holy Spirit calling other disciples and then meeting together and teaching them what Jesus had commanded and them going out and calling more disciples. We can move all the way through Acts as they start churches that make disciples, who start churches, who make disciples, who start churches, who make disciples. See, what is our, what is our definition of disciple? I've, I've grown up in the church. I've heard lots of definitions of disciple. I mean, can you think of any that you've heard? Do you, anyone want to throw one out? What is a disciple? Fully devoted follower of Jesus. Have you heard that one? Other ones like that? Has a personal relationship. Personal relationship with Jesus. Someone who obeys. Yeah. A student of Jesus. Yeah. A student of the rabbi Jesus. Yeah. A, A disciple here in these these passages, and maybe this isn't everything a disciple is, but there's a core to to being a disciple of Jesus that is. Someone who makes disciples of Jesus. 
Not that, that being a fully devoted follower of Jesus means actually making disciples. That if we, if we were to come up with like a really short, really simple definition of what a disciple is, a disciple is someone who makes disciples. Now, in my experience, I've often seen kind of a, a disconnection between evangelism, mission, and discipleship formation. I haven't, I haven't done a lot of discipleship in the church that was actually making new disciples. Disciples are people who make disciples who are people who make disciples. It just keeps going, doesn't it? And so some people have asked, well, how, how many generations of disciples do you need before you know if you're a disciple? <laughs> There's this passage in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 where Paul says this to Timothy, his disciple. Um, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul is teaching Timothy to teach others, faithful people, who can teach others. It's four generations of disciple-making. Four generations of disciple. Here's what some people have thought that might look like. Here's Paul, and he's got a handful of disciples. Timothy's there, Silas, Epaphras, Titus, Priscilla and Aquila. These are folks that he mentions in his letter. And they are entrusting the teaching of Paul to reliable people who entrust it to others. It's four generations of disciple-making. And we know that Paul is a disciple-maker, because his disciple makes disciples. We know that his disciple makes disciples because his disciple makes disciples. See that? <laughs> disciples of Jesus make disciples, and we can do it in generations. Um, you can actually tr- trace this right through the ministry of Jesus. He has his 12 disciples, which he has three, then 12, and he also sends out 70. Those 70 end up being 120 on the day of Pentecost. Those 120 go out, and they make 3,000 disciples on the day of Pentecost. That's already four generations from Jesus' life right there. You can see it if you trace it down through some leaders in history. Um, For you folks who who like church history, Jesus' disciple John made a disciple named Polycarp, who made a disciple named Irenaeus, who was the bishop of Smyrna, Ephesus area. Um, You can trace it in Rome. Jesus discipled Peter, discipled Linus, discipled Clement, first uh, bishops of Rome. You can trace it through your family generations. Maybe you are the first disciple of Jesus in your family. Um, My dad was the first disciple of Jesus in his family. And he and my mom discipled me. My grandma was the first disciple of Jesus in her family. And then my mom, and then me, and now Bonnie and I have two disciples with one disciple on the way. We are disciple-making. <laughs> you can trace it in your family. You can trace it in age generations. You can trace it outside of family or age generations. But there's generations of disciple-making. And when you have disciples making disciples... Um, it, it multiplies 
there's a, a reproduction, a multiplication that happens. And when you have disciples making disciples, those disciples plant churches that make more disciples that plant churches that make more disciples that plant churches. It becomes cyclical. This reproduction of disciples and churches. People call it 4G, fourth generation multiplication. Okay, so what I want us to see is the scope of this. All of a sudden, discipleship is not this narrow slice in the life of the church, right? Discipleship actually gets really broad. Disciple making maybe is a better term for it since discipleship kind of has all these other meanings now. What if we say disciple making includes from people who are far from God to people who have met Jesus and are following him to people who are now inviting other people to follow Jesus. It's the entire scope. Jesus kind of gives us a pattern for this scope. Um, Rick Warren over at Saddleback has, has talked about this in, in a similar way. Um, in, the, in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus invites uh, a couple would-be disciples to come and see. It's like the lowest possible threshold of commitment, isn't it? They're like, hey, what's going on? He's like, well, just, just come along. Come and see. And they do. He invited a lot of crowds to just come and see, right? But then along the way, he, he also invited people to come and follow, to actually study with him, obey his teaching, travel with him. There was a deeper commitment in coming and following And then those disciples, he said, take up your cross, come and die. And he moved people from come and see, come and just be curious, find out, to to come and follow, to come and die. And that's all disciple making. And we do the same thing. We invite people who are far from God to have friendships and then to explore what it means to have spiritual conversations and to, at some point, Lord willing, we can invite them to actually come follow Jesus. And as they're following Jesus, they're going to learn that part of following Jesus is coming and dying. It's giving your life to this disciple-making thing. The scope for being a disciple just got really big, didn't it? And that means that we can make disciples when we're building those friendships with our neighbors and with people at work. We're making disciples. We're inviting them to come and see. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but this is part of disciple making. We are making disciples when we are teaching our children. Our children are our disciples, and as parents, that is our first responsibility, to teach our children to follow Jesus, to come and see, to come and follow, to come and die. So much of what we are doing now becomes disciple-making. What if, what, if what if we made this what we're about as a church? What if we say, we want to help people find a new day in Jesus, We're going to do that by inviting them to come and see, to come and follow, to come and die. We're going to do that by becoming disciple makers. You're not just a disciple. 
To be a disciple means you're a disciple maker. Every one of us, a disciple maker. What would that look like? First, it would require a lot of intentionality. I know as this is one of the things I've, I was studying this summer, and I've been, I've been praying about this for months, and it has challenged me. It has challenged me to ask the question, am I making disciples? Not like I want to be. Am, do I think of myself primarily as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple maker? Well, if I do, if that's my identity in Jesus, if that's my goal in following him is to make disciples, to invite people along, that changes how I invest my time. That changes my intentionality. When I think about my kids, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interact with them differently if I'm trying to make them into not just disciples, but disciple makers. Do you see that shift? Now, instead of teaching my kids uh, how to pray, I'm teaching them how to teach someone how to pray. Instead of teaching them the gospel, I'm teaching them how to share the gospel with someone else. Because they're not, the goal isn't just to be disciples, because to be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. That goal just turns everything on its head a little bit. If you have children, if you have adopted children, you are a disciple maker. And your role is to teach them to be a disciple maker. If you have friends and coworkers far from God, or who have come and followed but really need to come and die, you are a disciple maker. You can teach them to make disciples. That's our goal. And that's our identity as disciple makers. Now, maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking thoughts like this. Um, well, what if I've never been taught how to make disciples? What if no one ever taught me how to be a disciple maker? You know, what, how, how do I do that? What does that look like? Um, that's, that's a great question. Maybe you can think back in your life and go, oh, so-and-so, they met with me and they prayed with me and I learned how to pray from them. Or so-and-so met with me and a group of other people and we studied the Bible together. And that's when I first really learned to study the Bible. When I was in middle school, a Sunday school teacher named Ron, I don't remember his last name, um, he was a biker, and he came to the Lord in kind of a dramatic uh, conversion. Someone shared the gospel with him, and uh, he just studied the Bible like crazy. And for at least a year, maybe two years, he took us through the book of Acts. And I'd never read the Bible like that before. He, he, taught me, he taught me how to read the Bible like that. And we studied it together, and we saw things, and God taught us things. Do you have someone like that in your life? If you do... Um, you can emulate that. You can do what they did for you for somebody else. If you don't have someone like that in your life, that's what we're all here for. We're all going to do this together. We're all going to learn to be disciple makers together. And most importantly, Jesus, the disciple maker, gives us his spirit to make us into disciple makers. <laughs> I'm always uh, amused in that Matthew 10 passage. 
you know, all the disciples are like, oh, there's so many problems. It's kind of overwhelming. And Jesus is like, yeah, it is. We really need to pray about this. And they pray about it. And then Jesus is like, okay, off you go. I'm sure some of them were like, whoa, it's only been like a year or two. Like, I don't know if we're ready for this. Um, you, know how, you know how you learn to, to teach? Do you know how you learn to pray? When you're teaching other people. And when you're teaching other people to pray. You know the most fruitful times of studying the Bible happen when you're teaching someone else to study the Bible? <laughs> One of our leaders in our um, church family, Father William Beasley, he likes to say the resources are in the harvest. And when we're sent out as disciple makers, when we go, when we come and die and make that what our life is about, making disciples, Jesus will give us everything we need to make disciples. He will teach us. And we'll, we'll teach each other. We'll do it together. Our goal is to be disciple makers. Our identity, we are disciple makers in the Lord this changes how we think about what the church as an organism does, doesn't it? If, if the goal is disciple-makers, if we are all disciple-makers, then the church's role isn't to disciple us. It's to teach us to disciple. See that shift? The church then teaches us to be disciple-makers. It teaches us to teach other people. So maybe instead of a class on how to read the Bible, it's a class on how to teach someone to read the Bible. And guess what? In that class, you're going to learn how to read the Bible. <laughs> Do you see how the goal is different? Do you see how it's, it's all-encompassing? It's mission, and it's going deeper. It's coming and seeing and coming and following and coming and dying. What if... Over the next three years, we all gave our lives, we all came and died, and gave our lives to making a few disciples. That each of us would pray for the Lord to send into our lives a few people that we can invite to come and see, come and follow, come and die. Jesus was with his disciples for three years. What if over the course of the next three years, we made some disciples together? If you have children, you start there. And certainly for seasons, that's where you're at. And in other seasons, maybe it's a couple other people as well. If you don't have children, who is the Lord sending into your life to make disciples? What if in three years, we saw another generation at City of Light? Another generation of disciple maker. And what if in 10 years, we saw not only that second generation, but a third and a fourth. And what if as we made disciples and we all came and died, we actually made disciples who then went and made churches to make disciples? Could we, in 10 years, see fourth generation disciple makers? Could we, in 10 years, see a church that we've planted, planting a church that's planting a church? Could we see that in Fox Valley? I want to give you um, some concrete things to do. Um, that was a lot of ideas. And I think they're, they're from the word of God. And there's, there's people and there's movements in the church across the world that are doing this. 
This is how the church in China is spreading through the underground like crazy. It's a disciple maker who makes a disciple, and they start a church in a house, which is just like Jesus sent the disciples out to do in Matthew 10. And they make disciples, and they start another house, and church, disciple, church, disciple, church, disciple, just goes. It's happening all over the world. We want it to happen here. We want it to happen with us. We want it to happen in Aurora. I was talking with another pastor this past week at Two Brothers, which is where all the pastors without church offices have their church office. <laughs> and um, there were like six pastors there at the same time. But I was talking with one of them, Pastor Josh. He's at um, Redeemer Oswego. It's just a great church. They've been a huge encouragement to me. And he said, what if, what if 10% of Aurora was in a church that was making disciples? What would happen? You know, I mean... What would happen at City of Light, but it's bigger than, what would happen in Aurora? And there are other churches, and this is their heart. We can join them in this. Okay, let me get concrete for, for a minute. Um, this is something that our leader team is working on. We've had a first conversation. We're going to have more conversations about it. Um, I'm talking with a number of folks who, who this is their passion here at City of Light. If it's your passion, come talk to me. I want to talk to you about it. I want to collaborate with you. Um, I, want to, I want to develop a culture of disciple making here. Uh, that's the f- first thing, is that w- we see that as our identity, as our goal, as our calling as a church. And that doesn't have super tangible, this is the program we're starting. This is the ministry. This is the person we're hiring. And we're just, let's all become disciple makers. Let's start there. Let's start with that organic cultural identity. That's who we are. To take a next step in that, uh, in Epiphany, which is January, February, into March, um, we're going to do a series. This is all we're going to be talking about in Epiphany. We're talking about disciple-making. And Epiphany is a fun church series for that uh, season for that because it's all about Jesus doing his first miracles, doing his first healings, doing his first teachings, calling his first disciples. We're going to follow him, and we're going to talk about disciple-making so that we can continue to be a culture of that. Um, second, we have a lot of come-and-see opportunities this fall. We have a lot of those first step of come and see. And I want to invite you to invite people. Um, Those relationships that are building, those friendships that you're building, um, invite them to our block party that's coming up on Labor Day. Or if you don't have anyone to invite, come and meet some people and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We had a lot of really cool connections last year that are still ongoing. We also are doing a sermon series this fall called Relate on relationships, building better relationships in a divided world. This is a great time to invite someone if they're ready to come to church, if that's a good first step for them. Um, It's a good come and see moment. We're also talking about what if we did groups in homes during this series? What if we had a few groups that would be talking about how to communicate better in marriage? how to build better friendships. Um, would you host a group like that and invite some people to come and talk as a come and see opportunity? Uh, 
we're not um, we're not doing events like this to be attractional church where you bring your friends and then the church kind of takes it from there. Um, these are just opportunities to help us be disciple makers, and they 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 work when we are are praying, Lord, who in my life can I invite to come and see? Um, that's when we see fruit. And we started as a church with that prayer. We started every time we met together, we would ask each other, how's your invitational life? How's your outreach life? Who are you praying for? What are you seeing the Lord do? How are you being intentional about that? And that's not just how we start, but that's how we keep going. Do you want to be a disciple maker? Pray for the Lord to send you someone to invite. You want to be a disciple maker? Pray for the Lord to show you how to invite that person to come study the Bible and pray with you and share your life. You don't need a, a program to do that first step. So I, I want to move into a time of prayer now. And uh, we're going we're gonna to intercede for our fall. Um, but first, I just want to pray for one another. <clears throat> I want to pray for one another in our lives as disciple makers. Maybe it's still a bit of a stretch for you to think of yourself as a disciple maker. Well, you can just ask the Lord to show you what that means for you, to give you that identity. Now, here's a few, few questions. And what I want to invite us all to do is to just turn to someone we're sitting next to in threes and just pray for each other for one of those questions. So pick one. Who can I invite to come and see? Block party, group in a home, something, you know, organic between you, um, something on Sunday. Who can I invite to come and see? Who's that person far from God in my life? Um, who can I invite to be a disciple maker? What person can I, can I invite to, hey, come meet with me and let's read the Bible and let's pray and let's figure out how to make disciples together? Again, the question is not who can I disciple, but who can I teach how to be a disciple maker? It's always thinking about the next generation. And then how can I grow as a disciple maker? Do I know how to study the Bible? Do I know how to teach someone to pray? Do I know how to explain the gospel to someone? What's that next step that I need to take? Okay, so why don't we take just a few minutes as a response to um, what we've seen from the gospel. Pray for one another. Uh, ask permission if it's okay. Lay your hands on one another. And just pray a couple minute long prayer. Um, Lord, equip this brother or sister to be a disciple maker. Show them who they can invite. Show them how they need to grow. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.